Ocean Cast, where half the series we cover have Hot Springs episodes. My name is Matt, <laughs> and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Yes, that is me. Hey, welcome on, buddy. Uh, always glad to have you on. Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. Could you tell how glad I was from the way I just said that? <laughs> I could! <laughs> I mean, you just, you started off on such a... A strong note of reminding me that we have to talk about not one but two hot springs episodes. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not thrilled about this. Um, neither one of us is really. We knew it was coming at least for one of these shows. The other one was unexpected, but we'll we'll get into that later. Uh, do we have any announcements this week? I don't think so. I think we can just dive right into Yo Peta. Okay, cool. Oh, I should mention that we are covering week six of the spring season, covering all sports anime from May 7th to the 13th. Yep. Okay. I agree. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you're okay with this. I am. I am. All right. So, anyway, so I am just going to jump right into Yamamushi Petal. Uh, th- this is going to be episode 18. Uh, so, this episode, th- this was a struggle for me to remember a lot of this, Uh so this episode begins with the parade, basically. Uh, the first two kilometers are meant to just be a show, like, so that all, like everybody can, like, cheer for their favorite team as they're passing by, because it's really the only convenient place for people to do so. Kind of helps calm Onoda down. Uh, Teshima and Aoyagi hold hands briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, then what happened? Then uh, Dobashi from... The Hakone team sprints ahead, kind of leaves everybody in the dust once it's kind of time to uh, really begin the race. Uh, so then, in order to catch up, uh, Kaburagi and Aoyagi are sent ahead. Uh, Aoyagi uses Gum Gum Balloon in order to pass <laughs> everybody. And then, uh, while they're trying... While... Uh, Oyagi and Teshima, or sorry, Oyagi and Kaburagi are trying to catch up. They're trying to get the, to basically win the the uh, the beginning sprint award yeah. uh, because that's something that happens so that you get like the red sticker to signify you're the best sprinter in the inter high for the first day. Yeah, yeah, for the first day, uh, and it's kind of like a mental. It's kind of like a kind of like a mental block for people to try and like go up against you. So mm-hmm. it's always good to try and win it. And then what happens? is uh, Kaburagi continues to insist that he's an all-rounder and he doesn't understand why he's sprinting. And he starts pulling a Gohan where he's like, oh, hey, everybody, like, you all are so slow. How am I so fast? You guys must not be sprinters either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, episode ends uh, with kind of them catching up to Dobashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, was not my favorite episode. Well, as you indicated by your hemming and hawing, uh, it's really hard to really pick out what even occurred. Um, because I I felt, when I when I sat down, and watched, we didn't watch this one together, but right. when I was finished, I texted you that, well, that sure was 20 minutes of animation. Um, because even having just watched it, I could barely remember what had happened because it left such so little impact. Right. Like, I could not remember any of this until I sat down with my notes and looked it over. Right. Uh, it's so... Like, literally all I remembered was Aoyagi and Teshima holding hands briefly at the beginning. Just because it kind of caught me off guard by how brazen they were being with the pandering there. Yeah, it was the pandering and it was the callback to... the earlier in the season when they talked about having this one pair of gloves between them so that whenever they needed support, they could hold each other's hand. Right. Um, so I understood, yes, it's a callback, but also it was it was pretty blatant. Yeah, we got, like, the nice close-up on, like, the hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, this isn't, like, a convenient thing. It's like, oh, you know, we can always, like, remember our gloves, Whenever, like, we're really down and out. And it's like, you know, this, th- like, this is really the only time you guys could do this, right? Mm-hmm. In this moment where, like, nobody's actually trying to pass you. And this is, doesn't really seem like a time where you guys need each other. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a throwaway, like, much of the episode. 
Yeah, um, basically. Uh, basically, what we accomplished was setting up the fact that Dobashi is going to start going up against Kabaragi and Aoyagi, similar to how Izumita went up against uh, Tadakoro and Naruko last inner high, basically. Yeah, look at that. It's just like last year, again. Yeah. Um, one of the... Well, there, there's a, not much to this episode, but there was a couple things I wanted to address. The first, did it seem to you like... Dobashi had about doubled in size in the way he was portrayed since last time. Eh, maybe a little bit. He did seem a little bigger. It was a little silly. He seemed like almost comically enormous. Oh, yeah. I I actually don't have a problem with that. Yamamushi Petal has always been a little, like, cartoony in its portrayal. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so Mido- it, Midosuji himself is a cartoon villain. Yeah, essentially. And so it's like, eh, yeah, I think you're right. He does seem, like, a little unbelievably huge, especially when you see, like, people who are, like, half his size riding up against him. Right. Uh, I, I'm actually kind of okay with that, uh, just based on how they've tried to illustrate the series and illustrate the characters. Uh, if anything, I think they could probably go a little farther with his character in that regard. Just make it absurd. Yeah, just make it absurd. Though, I, I would say, honestly, honestly, Dobashi is probably one of the things I have the least problems with with Yawamushi Pedal right now. Fair enough. Uh, outside of, like, his stupid mind games he's playing with Kaburagi, which apparently he's already over, like... Yeah, Kaburagi hasn't brought up his fear of Sohoku's strength once since he, like, freaked out and got no resolution to it. Yeah, exactly. Now all of a sudden it's to, hey, I'm an all-rounder, guys. Seriously, quit calling me a sprinter. And it's like, why do you care? Well, like, yeah, I mean, the hang, the thing I don't get is the hang-up on what category you fit in. You know, like, as if... it, The way that he talks about being a sprinter or an all-rounder, it feels more like a video game where you have to pick your class. Right. You know, and, like, if you unlock this class, it'll give you certain powers. Um, which, you know, when... <laughs> When you're playing a video game, that's very black and white. Like, you know, either you're a mage, or you're a monk, or you're, uh, you know, a warrior, or whatever. And that limits what you can and can't do. Um, They're all human beings. Like, there's going to (laughs) be, like, this this sounds ridiculous, but sprinting is on a spectrum, you know? So, it's it's not like you, they, they focus really hard on treating it like a video game. And, you know, the whole show does this. Like, Naruko being like, I am no longer a sprinter. It's like, okay, well, like... Okay, right. So, so that like, means your training is a little different, but but at, at the end of the day, I don't it, see like there's this this huge black line between the different right. classes or like, classes. Now I'm saying it. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a really I think that's an astute way to put this, uh, especially with the fact like he's not really doing anything differently and not mm-hmm. only that if they really wanted him to be a sprinter why wouldn't they go over this before the inter high well that's the big thing because they Teshima specifically said that he chose not to tell kabaragi that he should act as a sprinter right um he all he did was tell aoyagi that he's going he needs to test kabaragi to see if he can keep up with him as a sprinter so they can decide whether they can use him as a sprinter. Um, which, okay, but why wouldn't you do that in any practice? Why couldn't right. you just say, like, hey, Kaburagi, we want to see how fast you are. Don't even, You don't need to say it's to test you for a sprinter. Just say, hey, we want to see how fast you are, see how long you can keep up with Aoyagi. And right. then see if he can do it, and then you know. Why, why would the test be in the most important day? Right. The, this period. is supposed to... This is supposed to be the time where you guys are fully prepared. You do, It's like, okay, we joke around a lot about the evolving in the match thing. Mm-hmm. But that's their plan. Their plan is to evolve during the match. That's right. not a good plan. Right. It's just like, in a lot of other series that we see like this, it's not really done because they want to do it. It's done because they have to. Mm-hmm. They had plenty of prep time mm-hmm. before the Inter High. We, you know, we could have gone more into their training and I, I guess I kind of understand why they didn't want to, why the original author didn't want to delve too much into their training, because, you know, we've already know these characters, 
And, you know, we it's like we've already kind of established how they ride, so he doesn't yeah. want to spend more time building them up. But at the same time, it's like... Kaburagi is a new character. Like, if you're gonna use him, then you like you need to put in the effort to establish him. Don't do this whole evolving in the middle of the match. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing with Kaburagi is these episodes they keep introducing conflicts for Kaburagi, and then they don't resolve them, and then they right. just move on. Yeah, basically, uh, I, I'm guessing it is going to come back again during the race with Dobashi somehow. Like, Dobashi's going to remind him, and he's going to be like, oh, right, no, I don't like my team anymore. Yeah, How like, I, I forgot, they might not be strong. Right, and then, like, uh, Aoyagi will be there to remind them, no, we are strong. Look, <laughs> I can breathe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I also don't really know how I feel about, like, we, it's so goofy, like, the whole, like, inflating himself, basically. Oh, Aoyagi, yeah. Yeah, Aoyagi, sorry. Like, Tadakoro. Like, well, for Tadakoro, it kind of made sense, because he was a very large character anyway, and so right. it could illustrate, like, oh, he's, like, breathing deeply and, like, really giving it his all or whatever. For right. Aoyagi, he gets just as big. He breathes in a bunch and then he's just this enormous balloon man. Right. And so on some level, I was mildly okay with it because I f thought it was just, you know, in order to be interesting, um, Yaopeda needs to, like we talked about earlier, they need to make their, it needs to make their characters look absurd when they're racing because right. you can't illustrate what they're trying to do if you use normal human dimensions. Right. Um, so that does kind of explain, he, oh, that's why Dobashi, like, becomes so huge during the race, because that's what he, he's supposed to indicate that he's bigger, and you need right. to make it absurd for it to be understandable. Right, nothing wrong um, with that. But with Aoyagi, when he breathes in and becomes a balloon, uh, he just, like, sits there and in a perfectly normal voice explains why he has a huge torso... And why it makes right. him a better writer. Like, wait, so he breathed in, but then he just, like, stayed enormous while right. talking. And, you know, you'd think he would, exp as he would expend air, he would get smaller. But he just doesn't. He just chooses to become enormous <laughs> on command. Like, and that's the thing. It's, like, it's fine as, like, a visual effect to illustrate it if you really want to go over the top with it. Uh-huh. But yeah, but he's sitting there and explaining, like, this is really happening. I'm actually this enormous. This is how my body works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Believe that's where it. it gets weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, <laughs> one other weird thing I want to bring up on, on this episode uh, before we're graced to move on um, is the flashback that Anoda oh, has. Because he, right. he, he, he falls back and he wants to say hi to Manami at one point and talk about the water bottles or whatever. <laughs> um, and talk about even though they're best friends, they uh, never talk unless they're cycling for right. reasons. Well, um, of course. And he says, well, yeah, I haven't seen you since last time we raced together. And I assumed it was going to be a flashback to the last dinner high. No, it was a flashback to some random scene we've never seen before. Uh, the previous winter, when Toto from Hakone sent them both an invite to a party and invited them to, like, this mountain. And they're like, oh, well, I guess, I, I wonder why we had to show up to this mountain with our bikes and all our biking equipment for a party. And he's why? like, the party is you have to race up this mountain while there's snow to determine who's the king of the mountain. And they say, okay. And so they do. They ride up this mountain, but then they run into snow and they have to turn around and come back. And Toto says, well, I guess you'll have to delay this race until the Interhop. And it's like, just, why do we have to do it? It's like they had to force a reason to get the two into, like, another rivalry. Almost. Yeah, like, like, this totally made-up, disconnected scene. You know, one, it just... Reintroduces Toto because I guess right. there's there's some fandom attached to him, and two it just it, it builds Minami and Onoda's relationship, but it's totally extraneous and it doesn't add anything. It was just it was very odd, right? Um, the the only thing I can think of to justify this scene is that it does show that Onoda and Minami do 
do things, I guess, outside of just see each other, like, see each other by happenstance. Yeah. And then meet at the inner high and declare their undying vow to beat each other. Right. Uh, But, I mean, again, it's like, they even mentioned it's like that was the only time we saw each other otherwise was just this... (laughs) Like, apparently we have to be lured out into a mountain with our biking gear by Toto. And it's like... hang out, yeah. Yeah, in order to hang out. And it's like, can't you guys just, I don't know, hang out? Yeah. Like, it doesn't... It, these characters don't appear to do anything else. You know, they right. don't spend time doing anything else. Which, I know there's limited time in a show you can only show so much, but show anything. Right. Show it, them doing actually, anything. That is actually, I think, a strength of their setup, is the fact that they do kind of flash forward to the intra-high, and it does create an opportunity for the author to uh, to kind of fill in the gaps as, he go, as you go along. Because it's yeah. like, there's enough space in between that you can kind of come up with the story... Well, actually being in the meat of the inner high, you know, the kind of the part where everybody actually cares about it. But, again, the problem is that, as far as we've seen, these people don't do anything else. Yeah. And th- and that's kind of a problem, especially trying to build up, like, this relationship between an, uh, Minami and Anoda. Especially the fact that you already kind of wrote yourself into a corner by saying this was the only of other time we ever saw each other. Yeah. The last thing I want to say about this episode is... Uh... There's not really much to it, but I thought it was hilarious that towards the end of the episode, um, Izumita just zipped down his jersey to show off his sweet pecs to Naruko, (laughs) and then zipped his jersey back up to be like, look, I've been working out. And Naruko says, whoa, his muscles are so big. And you're just sort of like, don't feel like this needs to exist, but... Anyway, uh, I think I think we've talked long enough. About, right. Hey, uh, uh, speaking of things that don't need to exist, you want to move on to Tiger Mask. Excellent transition. Thank you. Oh, man, I should not have I should not have uh, cut you off. That was a good one. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. So Tiger Mask episode thirty one. Um, the the Tiger Mask gang decides to <laughs> go to Kyoto because Haruna wants to visit Kyoto because she saw some advertising about visiting Kyoto. And while they're there, uh, Tiger Mask hears that the original Tiger Mask met with a martial arts master in Kyoto who taught him uh, the secret of a new killer move, which is apparently now his motivation. Um, And they find out that the uh, Arashi Dojo... Uh, still exists in Kyoto and they go visit um, but it seems really beaten down and dilapidated and so they, uh, they're they wondering whether or not they should leave it turns out there's two Arashi dojos, they go to the other one and it looks more legit um, and well kept and so at this, this second dojo uh, they talk to the master there and he offers uh to train tiger mask and he pulls out a sword and says it has to be a life or death match and tiger mask agrees because that's what it takes to get a new killer move is maybe be killed um then it's worth it i guess and uh they get interrupted they get told that you know they need money or else they'll have to sell the dojo and tiger mask gives him three hundred thousand yen then they go home uh, and then back to the original dojo, and it turns out that all along the 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 second dojo was running a scam, and so Tiger Mask decides to help expose the scam, and they get the the master from the first dojo, uh, his rightful place back at the Arashi dojo, and right. he in return he teaches Tiger Mask the secret to a killer move um, by kneeling down to tie his sandal and then jumping forward and pulling out a knife at his throat and saying <laughs> that um, your killer instincts must be like scratching an itch or something like that. It's something like that. And uh, and and <laughs> so they asked Tiger Mask, like, so did you see the key to your new killer move yet? And he says, no, but I'll keep thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> So, I did not hate this episode, which, you know, massive improvement from the past few episodes of Tiger Mask. Sure. Uh, Did not really have a whole lot to, like, as far as, like, the filler series series we've been getting here. So, like, every 
time we, like, there's always a, comes a time during Tiger Mask where we sort of get, like, a couple, like, a filler arc, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, last season we had them driving it around a bus for some reason that was yeah. never properly explained. That was awful. Uh, for, uh, first season kind of ha- had uh, Tiger Mask down training elsewhere, like near the He beach. went to Okinawa. Yeah. yeah, Okinawa, that's it. Uh, and so, I, like, as far as, like, filler arcs go for Tiger Mask, this is actually not, like, a terrible idea. Where, I, like, the way I'm seeing this, uh, like, if the show was competently done mm-hmm. in such a way, you could have, like, this whole, you could have, like, this series of stories of Tiger Mask sort of wandering the country, meeting up with different, different martial arts masters trying to get inspiration for, like, different killer moves. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, it's it's not a terrible idea, all things considered. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, it's kind of a nice little moral for kids, like, hey, don't be taken in by, just because it's the big and flashy, like, mm-hmm. dojo, don't be taken in, they could just be trying to get money out of you, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, it was pretty obvious from the beginning of the episode oh, yeah. exactly what every plot beat was going to be. Yeah, but... basically. Uh, so it's like, I'm not gonna argue that, but you know, again, for a show for, like, eight-year-olds, it's a fine moral. <laughs> I think uh, as we've been doing these reviews, we've been, like, lowering the age level at which this show is intended. <laughs> and I feel like when we started this, we were like, oh, yeah, and it's a show for teenagers, and now we're like, it's a show for kindergartners. <laughs> it's, it's a show, it's a show for, te- it's a show for, like, middle school students, and it's a show for, like, fourth graders, it's a show for kindergartners. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... You know, it's like, all things considered, you know, it's not a bad moral to have for kids. You know, it's it's a fine one. Right. Uh, the only problem is that I've already seen the uh, the preview for next episode, and they're already back to the ring resolving uh, Tiger Mask issues. Yeah, so, like, what was the point of a one-off? Yeah, basically. It's like, if you're going to have this one-off, you know, this needs to be where he figures out the killer move from this martial artist. If you're not going to make this, like, a short little filler arc. Yeah. Uh... It but, is. It, I admit, though, it's weird to have a super standalone episode when you only have eight episodes left. Yeah, right? Like, this is around the time the series should be wrapping up. And it, it's leading me to believe that the Tiger Mask reveal of the ki- of his new killer move is going to be, like, the finale of the series when he finally fights uh, the Tiger the Great the Third. Yeah. Which I don't really like. Because I kind of feel like by that point, uh, we should have already had his new... Like, I feel like at this point, we should have had the new killer move established. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this really... Because, really, you could just cut out all this whole thing about him betraying uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, like, and just had, like, a series of filler arcs, you know, filler stories where he's going around and meeting different martial artists, and, and you know, from there he develops the killer move. Yeah. Next match would be the one where he sort of unveils his killer move, and, you know, you kind of see, you know, how he grows with it, you know, like... The, the sort of, like, diminishing returns we expect to see from, like, new flashy moves in sports series. You know, it, it keeps working up to an extent. It gets harder and harder to lean on it until finally it breaks down. And you have to figure out something else to do. Uh, and I kind of feel like we should be sort of in the middle of that arc right now. We're, you know, we're kind of, like, riding off the high of this new awesome killer move. It is, it is funny how much time in these freaking reviews we've spent describing what we wish the plot was. <laughs> I, I think it speaks to Tiger Mask that there isn't... There are some interesting ideas in there. Like, yeah, there's material. Follow. It's just not being used. Right. Like, they ha- it, like, the pieces are there. They're just not putting them together. They're, like, throwing in pieces from other puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a good description. Um, thank you. I, I want to bring up... There's only a couple interesting things from this episode. Uh, right. Seriously. My favorite <laughs> my favorite line is towards the end. So they've managed to get Issei reinstated as the true and uh, legitimate master of the Arashi Dojo. Right. And then they, they talk about having a fight to learn the killer move. And Issei says... If we are going to fight, I need to prepare myself. I'll tell you the time and place. And then it cuts immediately to the fight. (laughs) (laughs) What was the point of that line when they could have said just, okay, let's do it now. Because either way, they did it now. Because they really wanted it to happen at, like, sunset, but they couldn't. But, like, the time of day, you know, it was already too early in the day, so they wanted to justify having it happen at sunset. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, well, I mean, it doesn't, but I mean, within the within the logic of the writers, I guess it makes sense. It just, but it doesn't actually make any sense for like anybody actually watching it because when you throw that in, that sort of line in there, you assume there's going to be some break, something. Yeah, there's going to be like a quick break, you know, where maybe Tiger Mask confirms with Haruna and Takaoka, like, yeah. hey. Like, what, what do you think I should do? Like, what do you think I can expect from this guy? And like, oh, I don't know. Like, uh, but it, it just sort of just jumps right ahead to sunset where they're like standing off in, uh, uh, uh it's Tiger like Mask. Old West style. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so that was weird. The other weird thing is Fukuwara Mask showed up. Yeah. <laughs> can we talk about, I mean, I don't really have any answers. But do you want to just describe what Fukuwara Mask provided for this episode? Okay, so apparently Fukuwara Mask was there with uh, the red-headed assistant of Miss X. I don't mm-hmm. remember her name. I'm trying to find her name in the notes, but... Uh, I don't know if we even ever wrote down her name. <laughs> the the red-headed assistant, whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, she never comes up uh, in the series, but apparently he was there in Kyoto with her... Even though they denied it. That they were sitting at the same table at a restaurant. Right. And uh, for some reason, she was always there when Haruna was there. This was one of the Hot Springs episodes we referred to earlier. Oh, yeah. Haruna went to a hot spring and ran into the assistant. Right. They had a a hilarious joke about how the assistant was wearing a bathing suit in the hot springs, and you can't do that. Right. And that was the whole joke. Yeah, that was the joke. (laughs) And it's... Like, I, I the only th- it's like in the joke was at first that like they were, like uh, Fukuwara Mask was freaking out because they were caught together and he was making up excuses for why they were there and she got upset and left. Uh, we but you know kind of in that cold like I'm not really upset because this is just a normal incident for me but yes I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't think that they are dating. I'm guessing what's going on is especially because Fukuwara Mask is so old. I'm guessing that he's actually her father somehow, or related to her. Uh, well, hmm. It's an interesting idea. Uh, my my assumption was that she was like an inside agent. Cause, so, Fukuwara Mask is a disaffected former member of GWM. Um, okay. Um, so... My, I, I was predicting that the assistant at, at some point would have a big reveal where it turns out she's been working against GWM the whole time. So okay. it might be because she's his daughter or something. Yeah, but I mean, e- it, either way, they have some relationship where they're working to take down GWM from the inside or something. Okay. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, I shouldn't call it stupid, because if that happened, I would be like, oh, wow, they planned a plot, kind of. <laughs> they planned a plot and actually fulfilled it. Again, Fukuwara Mask remains the only interesting character. Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, we may also be reading too much into it. Uh, yeah, it, it, seems it might little... just be that they needed some other characters to make the pieces move, and they're like, Welp, we've got these two characters lying around, and we can just put Fukuwara Mask wherever, apparently. Yeah, sure, why not? And then, for some reason, she's there, and they can have funny gags with Harna, like, randomly running into her, and... Them just randomly staring each other down. Yeah, it's so random and funny. Um, can uh, can we move on to anything else? Oh yeah, let's move on to something we like. Uh, big wind up. Okay, all right. So this is a uh, big wind up episode six. Uh, starts off in the fourth inning. So th- this episode basically uh, co- covers the fourth through the seventh inning. So the pace picks up a little bit. Um, Mahashi is still pitching really well. He hasn't given up uh, a run, and he in the fifth inning he's able to come up against Oda again, and he manages to uh, trick him. Well, Abe manages to coax coax the pitchers and and trick him. Um, ultimately, they're not able to score. Nishiura isn't able to score, but um, Mihoshi sees an opportunity. Um, because they, they realize that a lot of the strength of Mahashi is that he keeps opposing batters off balance because he has such precise control that he can put the ball wherever he wants. 
Right. Um, so that makes it really unpredictable for the batter. And uh, so the Mahoshi coach tells Oda that he should just ignore whatever the first pitch is, close his eyes, and swing. So intentionally get a strike one. Right. Um, so that it doesn't cloud his vision. So then he can look down... And if it was an outside pitch, he can expect that the next pitch will be a breaking ball inside. Um, so that way he's prepared for the pitch, and that's exactly what happens. So Oda is able to drive in a run with a triple. Um, and then Hatake, uh, you know, the evil catcher <laughs> from right. Mahoshi, comes up. And he's not sure how he's going to get a hit. Um, but he realizes uh, that he, no- he notices that Mihashi has a tick from when they used to play together that he rubs his middle finger and his thumb together whenever he's about to throw a fastball. Uh, So because he recognizes the tick, he realizes that a fastball is coming and he's able to hit a home run, which puts Mihoshi in the lead. Uh, So now in the seventh inning, they've actually taken the lead and they're up 3-2, even though at the beginning of that inning, uh, they were getting no hit. Um, So Abe is freaking out because he doesn't know he can't believe that he's been outsmarted. He doesn't know why anyone is outsmarting him. And Mahashi, for a while there, is freaking out himself. He feels really guilty. And he decides that he's losing it for the team and that Abe hates him. But despite that, he recognizes that, you know, standing on the mound is what a pitcher has to do. So he stands up and he gets ready to pitch again. So he's a little tougher than you might have thought. Right. Um, so there are a lot of things I liked about this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, what I uh, one thing I really enjoyed uh, was the way that the series explained uh, Mihashi's uh, basically his weird tick, essentially maybe not his tick, but his like his weird talent. So one of the running themes we have here at Koshi and Cast is that a lot of sports anime generally fall into the same tropes. They can kind of present it in different ways, but they all tend generally tend to circle back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they generally tend to fall onto the uh, onto the same tropes, but uh, use them in interesting ways. Uh, so here with me, so one of the recurring themes we find in a lot of sports anime is the hero with a strange and unlikely talent that somehow manages to pull that somehow manages to like get them attention, mm-hmm. or like something that's like not commonly used. They they're kind of unpolished. But they still, but they have this one weird talent. Yeah, right. Uh, and with Mihashi, so that's something that they go over in this episode, and uh, where they talk about how Mihashi, his whole th- like his whole talent. This is, I think, this is the first time we've ever had it fully explained. Was that his talent isn't that he can throw fast balls, and like like Oda brings it up, like you know what it, he's asked, you know what do you think is important for a pitcher? And he's like, well, speed and. Uh, position and he's like and somebody mentions uh like no in the case of mihashi it's not because he has crazy precision with his pitching Mm -hmm. Uh, um they talk about how he separates his uh he separates his pitching uh his pitching board up into nine different positions yeah uh, so he can can practice exactly so he can practice not just throwing inside outside down the middle he practices throwing like down and away, middle away, middle high, um, and it it really gives him an advantage that he's practiced so much that he can actually control to that degree, which is extremely uncommon, especially for a high school pitcher, but even really for a major league pitcher. Right, exactly. Um, And so what I like about that is that they explain this talent in a way, uh, first of all, it's believable. Mm -hmm. Uh, In... Part of that is because the series has done a lot to establish its own realism uh, with its tone. So even if how incredibly unlikely this actual scenario is, mm-hmm. they explain it in a way that at the very least seems realistic. And because the series has done the work up until this point to let make you buy into its own world, that you can go along with it. It doesn't really come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is like, th- that's one of the biggest struggles that you can sometimes have with a sports anime, uh, which is like, oh, why is this character like so uncommonly good? 
Uh, like, a bad example of this is Tsukamoto from Days, who is basically just, he runs all the time and that magically gives him soccer powers. Right. And it's just basically just sheer determination, and that's a terrible way to build a main character. Uh, honestly, I'm gonna, All Out kind of had this problem at first, too, where, you know, you kind of have, like, oh, uh, Gion's talent is that he can do low tackles. Uh, and, like, that's gonna be his uncommon talent. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, they tend they end up breaking that uh, later on. They end up subverting that, and it ends up not being that useful for them. But that's kind of the way that the series is built up at that point. You know, some bad examples. And I'd say this is a really good example of one that works very well. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I liked as well. Uh, do you want to talk about the intentional walking of uh, Tajima? Yeah. Um, so that was in the top of the sixth inning. As Abe had managed to draw... A walk with one out and then Tanjima comes up to bat and so Nishiura's best batter is clearly Tanjima. He's a natural. He's he's done all the heavy lifting for them so far and Mahoshi they sort of started the game treating Nishiura like they were a no-name public school that they didn't have to take seriously especially right. with Mahoshi pitching but at this point after Kano had talked to them they started really taking them seriously, so they issued an intentional walk to Tajima so that he wouldn't even have the opportunity to bat. Um, And that brought up Hanai. And so Hanai is always, you know, he's always been trying to prove that he's just as good a hitter as Tajima. Um, Of course, that makes him a little anxious to get a hit. So he ends up hitting a ball he shouldn't have, and he grounds out, and then that's followed by a strikeout, so it ends the inning. Right. So what 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 stood out to you about that? Uh, what I liked about that was... So up until this point, Tajima has always been portrayed as, you know, kind of the prodigy of their team. They're, they're sort of like their chance prodigy that they managed to somehow get onto this team. Uh-huh. Uh, and what, ha- uh, what I like about that is that you're kind of wondering why they really want Mihashi to be the ace of this team... And not Tajima, who would be kind of the natural selection for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that shows is that uh, this is the reason why you can't lean on a batter to be your ace. Because really, any like if you have a super talented batter, this is something that can always be done. Mm-hmm. To kind of, like, basically eliminate them from the game. Yeah, like, you can just work with... around them, put them on base, and then get everyone else out. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, what I liked about that is that it kind of puts, without ever actually explicitly referencing Mihashi, it does put more pressure on Mihashi to be the one to perform. Because really when it comes to, when it comes down to it, this is why the pitcher is kind of considered to be one of the more important aspects of the team. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought it was just, overall, I thought it was just a well-paced episode. You know, right. they didn't. One of my fears going back to this show was I remembered there were times where they just, like, sat and explained every single pitch. And sometimes they do that. But they didn't do it for every at-bat. They flew through some innings. So they they know enough not to, like, make the pacing excruciating. Um, And this one actually moved pretty quick, and it got to the point where you realize that you know, Mahoshi was at a breaking point and they needed to do something different, and now it puts a lot of pressure on Nishiura to really string together hits. So even though they held the lead and they were getting a little comfortable with their, like, oh, we're on track to win, you know, Abe, it's really interesting, he keeps talking about how he has a perfect game going, and, like, you know, he, he had, they haven't given up a walk, they haven't given up a hit, um... How if this was a junior high game, they would be about to get a perfect game. He was basically congratulating himself on winning before the game was even over. Um, And that's when it started to fall apart. And so it'll be interesting to see how Abe reacts to this. And how he manages to, I guess, uh, turn it around and overcome the fact of him, his sort of self-congratulation. Right. And realizing that he was accountable for some mistakes too. Right. Um, what I like about that, too, is that it shows that he and Mihashi are actually not quite on the same wavelength yet. Because Mihashi actually didn't really care that he wasn't, like, 
that they were going for the perfect game at all. Like, Mihashi didn't even really notice it. it yeah, wasn't he never really... commented on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's like, this really kind of drives home the point. Really, it was Abe who wanted to have the perfect game because, you know, he wanted Mihashi to see. But it actually wasn't something that Mihashi was really cognizant of. So yeah, it he does... just wants Abe to like him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, But he doesn't realize that Abe is doing this for him. So it, it's a right. good way to kind of again, sort of address their disconnect without actually just outright saying, hey, guys, hey, we are not thinking of the same thing at this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's not overt. Yeah, exactly. But I'm excited to see... Uh, and so we mentioned that we watched this show, like, you know, eight or ten years ago, but right. I don't actually remember how this game ends. So <laughs> even though I have seen it before, I'm basically just as in it as anyone watching it for the first time so i'm excited to see how it comes together oh yeah because my memory of this is that they that this was like a complete shutout for them yeah Uh, clearly that's not what happened yeah clearly because now they're like all all of a sudden they're down and out and i totally forgot about this so i'm i don't remember if they win this or not me 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 neither (laughs) um but uh one thing we do know that wins is uh encouragement of climb wins the award for making us the most uncomfortable this week smooth transition you brought it around buddy you yeah, brought it around yeah and i just won the smooth transition award uh as <laughs> per usual um so matt would you like to talk about encouragement of climb episodes three and four i would love to um so the first part of this uh, the so episode 13 is largely about their journey to get up to the top of uh mount uh mitsutoge uh Along the way, they, uh, Aoi figures out that, you know, that the entire reason they're going on this trip is because, is to see the top of Mount Fuji, because she manages to spot it along the way. But she doesn't want to ruin the surprise, so she kind of keeps going along with it. She kind of stops, she kind of starts getting miserable in the middle of this journey, because, you know, she's hot, it's kind of a struggle, you know, she's having to climb over a bunch of things, and she's just not really having fun with the, uh, like, trying to keep up with everybody at this point. And so they all stop. They kind of take a breather. Uh, and then Kaede kind of tells her, you know what? Like, you ne- if you want to go at your own pace, it's fine. Like, it's if you're not having fun, you're not doing this right, essentially. So, like, she gives her some... Uh, I forget what they're actually called. But basically some, like... They're walking sticks. Yeah, some walking sticks, basically. So that she can better, like not exhaust herself uh the ending of the episode begins with the most tense uh walking along the edge of a cliff uh that has ever been portrayed in an anime uh <laughs> <laughs> and oh he does it and she's very excited and then they get to see the uh the top of mount fuji which uh she does reveal she noticed she did realize it along the way but it doesn't matter because it's still a beautiful view uh, and then the second, uh, and then the second episode we watched, uh, episode fourteen. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, episode four of yeah. season two. I was kind of wondering. <laughs> sorry, three, four, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, episode four of this of what we watched was <laughs> they made it to the top of the summit, uh, and she's really excited. Uh, Aoi is very excited about the view. Uh, they end up climbing back down the mountain. Aoi is kind of like losing her cognition basically she's just sort of she's so tired she basically doesn't care about like the descent down she's not really thinking of anything else outside of just trying to get back down the mountain uh there's kind of a moment where they have to stop for a little bit because i always knees hurt and hanada shows that she had like a knee brace you know kind of explains like you know you should wear these along the way anyway they uh they make it to the hot springs which, uh, they basically make it to the end, and there's a hot springs there. We have a very awkward a hot springs scene where they talk about their bodies in the hot springs. Everybody's a little uncomfortable who's watching it. And then, <laughs> uh, the, Aoi kind of has a comedic reaction to the fact that they could have actually been attacked by a bear, like, after, like, basically after the fact. Right. Um, so, okay, barring the bathing sequence, I thought these were, this was a pretty solid string of episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it it does a good job, even though it's extended the length of the episodes, of keeping the pacing relatively solid. 
Yeah. Where it doesn't it doesn't feel like it wastes too much time. Every episode feels like it has a goal and something they're working towards and something they're accomplishing that's new for them. Right. Um, I, there were a lot of scenes that I just, yeah, I really liked. I liked Aoi think, you know, getting cocky at the beginning of the hike and think, saying, like, oh, this is so easy. Like, this is fine. But that's because she was on the, you know, the gentle slope portion of right. the hike. And then she got to the more intense portion and she was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> and, right. And she was just exhausted and wanted to stop and didn't even want to get to the top. And for me, just as someone who has, you know, ever hiked before, I'm like, yep, you know, that's, it's extremely realistic portrayal of, <laughs> of someone who's not into hiking but is hiking just sort of wondering like why am i here i want to go home this sucks um but then being really glad that you went and you get to the top um i i also liked the part where yeah they have to walk along the the cliff's edge and right Oi is really nervous but then after they come back down they have to go back by the cliff's edge and she's like this is weird. I'm actually not that nervous. Now that I've done it once, it makes it a lot easier. You know, the, these yeah. aren't complicated themes necessarily, but again, one of the genres we've sort of discovered um, <laughs> in sports yeah. anime through doing this is shows about girls trying new things and showing that, hey, you can do it too. Right. And in that genre... This seems pretty good. It's show it's being realistic. It's showing like, hey, there's gonna be some stuff that sucks, uh, right. but it's gonna be worth it, and you're gonna grow if you try. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of one of the. It's like you know, I, I like that scene where she kind of sits down with Kaede, and Kaede realizes you're not having fun, Arya. Like, I get it. All right, like you know, you're you're new to this. You're probably tired and you're sore. Like, and it's like you know what? If you're not having fun, you. It, you know, maybe ease up a little bit. If you're trying too hard, you know, it's okay to just sort of rest for a little bit. It's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I, I think it also helps that we have a unique... Uh, it's kind of a unique subject matter as well, because a lot of what we've been watching have all been about bikes. Right. And the theme gets a little repetitive. And, you know, like, who's writing about mountain climbing? Like, mm -hmm. nobody is. Uh, and so I think that helps it out as well. Yeah. Uh, just I, I think the novelty. Yeah. There, there's a little bit of self-awareness in there. Like, for example, uh, with with long riders in Minami Kamakura, they would they would introduce new concepts when they would arise, mm -hmm. and you'd kind of wonder, well, why did they never talk about this before? Mm -hmm. uh, and in this ep in uh, episode fourteen, there was a moment where you know you know where Aoi is complaining about her knees hurting, and Hinata like mentions like, hey, you know, you can get these uh, knee supports super cheap and stuff like that. And Aoi has the most reasonable response to that, which is. Why didn't you tell me this before, you jerk? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, why was there never... It's like, even if... It's kind of played off as a joke, but it's like, it does kind of fit into Hinata's sort of spacey, like, character, mm -hmm. her her personality. It plays into her character, which is not something we generally get in these series. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they kind of, you know, it kind of points out, hey, you know what? You should probably figure out this stuff beforehand. Right. Um... And I think that I think it generally works. Uh, I got a decent laugh out of the fact that uh, there's kind of a funny moment along the way where they see the watch out for bear sign, and Aoi basically is just like, "I don't care. I'm tired. Let's just get to the end, please." And, and uh, Kakona is like very disappointed. Like you know, you think the fact that she's staring at this, she you're thinking, "Oh no!" Like were we really in that much danger? And Kakona's reaction is, "Oh, I wanted to see a bear." Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then later on in the episode where she. All of a sudden, like, past the point where you were to forget, would have forgotten about that, like, all of a sudden she thinks back to the side and like, Oh my god, there are bears out there! Yeah. Um, so, do we want to address the uh, hot spring itself? I would prefer not to, but it's kind of an, it's kind of a major part of the episode. I so, the On their way down, Kayade basically mentions, like, Oh, there is a hot springs at the base of this mountain... And my favorite thing to do is going to hot springs after I climb because it's super relaxing, which seems reasonable. You know, like you're dirty, you're sweaty. Um, who wouldn't like a hot bath afterwards? So right. it's not an unreasonable thing to say, and it you know it's it's believable. Um, but Aoi is fretting about it because apparently whenever she goes on public trips where they have a communal bath. She always says that she's fine and she'll go later. And then she waits for everyone else to go to sleep. And then goes and takes a bath by herself so that she doesn't have to be naked around anyone 
Which, right. again, is fine as a real-life thing, but right. in here it feels a little... You know, there, there's always a very fine line with Hot Springs in anime where you wonder how much of it is uh, just fan service, so how much of that is just building up the character right. of Aoi being the, the, the blushing one who is like, oh no, are you going to see... You know, that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and that's effectively what happens where she goes to the hot spring and everyone else is already inside and she tries to walk in and they're like, wait, you have to wash yourself first. So they literally sit there and teach her how to use a hot spring. And she tries to walk in with a towel on and they're like, oh, you can't do that. Right. So eventually she gets in, she's glad she went, and then they sit around and they talk about how big Kaede's breasts are. Right, and how they're very inconvenient because they get in the way. And it's like, I'm pretty sure people don't have these conversations. Well, they might. Right, but but, uh, but what what bothers me is that it's literally the first and only conversation that they have. Right. It feels like there's some requirement where the sports anime about girls, if they ever go to a hot spring, they have to talk about their breasts. Yeah, um, and... <laughs> again, it just it unfortunately it reminds you of who the show is targeted for, right? And that you know it's not even though at its best this is a show for young girls to teach them to be confident. It's also a show for guys to leer at, at girls, at cute yeah. anime girls, and yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It's an it's an unfortunate side effect of or an unfortunate genre requirement. Yeah, it, uh, it almost feels like you know they're paying taxes. Like you know they, they just have to get it over. <laughs> they have to pay. This is something they have to do. They don't like it, but it has to be done. And it's like we we got to do this, guys. We're sorry. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I'm not sorry to uh, be done with this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, all things considered, and uh, bath sequences aside, I was, you know, I'm still happy to be watching Encouragement of Klein, which is something mm-hmm. I never would have thought going into this season. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is weird that our two favorite shows this season are the two shows that are not currently airing. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, it, it's a little awkward, but you know, whatever. Yeah. We take it as it comes. Um, <laughs> cool. So, uh, thanks, as always, for joining me, Matt. I, as usual, always appreciate it. Well, I, as usual, always appreciate being appreciated. Well, I would appreciate it if you would, as usual, hit the credits. Fine. As usual. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.